Rogue may not want a bun in the oven, but that doesn't mean Gambit can't get some sugar on his gumbo. Welcome to episode 63 of the Mutant Musings Podcast. It's the end of January 2020, and we'll be discussing new comics and Emma Frost. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me as always is my face boop, Patty. Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com, leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast, follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast, and follow us on Twitter at mutant musings. Aren't you tired of all the bitching about Star Wars and Pokemon and Smash Brothers and movies and authors and candidates and pizza and wrestling and the economy and bagels and shit? No one ever bitches and complains about anything to do with the X-Men. Ever. Never. Ever. So follow us on social media and have some fun. And speaking of bagels, you're about to get creamed with some bad language cream cheese. You can expect a nice slathering all over your ears. Which I guess is like a bagel in this metaphor. Don't worry, there's some vegan bad language cream cheese right next to me for our vegan listeners. We got some cream cheese and bagels on this X-Men podcast. That's right, Mutant Musings now with breakfast. And breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Eat your fucking breakfast. Everyone listening better have fucking eaten breakfast today. Bagel and cream cheese. Gluten-free if you need it. They make those now too. And drink some fucking water and take fucking care of yourself. God damn it, get some sleep. There's your explicit content warning. Yay. Yeah, right? Yeah. Positive message. Hydrate or dihydrate. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a thing. That's yeah. a thing your friend likes to say. Yeah. Yeah, did she did she invent that? No. Oh. She just likes saying it. I thought we knew someone famous. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Patty? I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay. I don't know. Aww. What's up? Aww. What's happened recently? Uh, what? What's uh? What's happening with you? I don't know. <laughs> what if I done anything interesting <laughs> lately? Uh, my classes for school for my second semester started. Oh uh, yeah. They are a lot of work. <laughs> I did pretty much nothing for myself this whole week except for go to the gym twice. Mm-hmm. It's because I was doing homework the rest of the time. Right. So, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, you took some biking classes. Yeah. Yeah, and you didn't get hit on by the instructor. Right. Which I was apparently supposed to be upset about, I think. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't really know. It wasn't that he didn't <laughs> hit on me, okay? Okay, so the instructor was like this like guy in like his 40s or 50s or something and i he was like really big and i was like how is he going to do a whole bike class like that's crazy whoa 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 okay so you say when you say big that can mean a few different things he was very round <laughs> like homer simpson imagine homer simpson trying to teach a spin class that would be funny. Hi, that dudes. That's what I was expecting. But no, he didn't even get on the fucking bike. He was just walking around talking to the fucking trophy wife soccer moms <laughs> and completely ignored me and also this other girl and was just talking and bullshitting with these uh, hot, you know, 40-something-year-old ladies. So I was I was just like, oh, yeah, this guy is a creep. And, like, he didn't even pay attention to me. Now, when I said he didn't even pay attention to me, it's not like I wanted him to hit on me. I just would have liked, like, oh, hey, your your feet are supposed to be flat or something like that. <laughs> like, don't arch your feet or some, something, you know, some feedback about how I'm writing. I don't know. Something? Listen, okay. Okay. I didn't think that this was going to get weirder, but... <laughs> But I mean, I, I mean, okay. Listen, it's not all about. I know it's not all about me, 
but I, I did not know how you wanted me to respond. And now when you're saying that you wanted this man to critique how you are writing, <laughs> I, I once again find myself at a loss for, I mean, because I want to be supportive. I do. But at the same time, I don't want this man to be like, hey, baby, I like your form. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm trying to be I'm trying to be stupid and you're you're thinking I'm the wrong kind of stupid. You're like you're being the serious stupid now instead of like I'm the playful stupid. I'm going for playful stupid, not serious stupid. Okay. All right. All right. Understand. But the instructor today was great. She real she really got my boobs flopping. Okay. So again, <laughs> one more time. I don't know how I'm going to be talking to you after you take these classes now. <laughs> That's that's what I would do if I was a spin instructor. I'd just be like, I would just walk around and be like, you know, she was like, go, 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 get those legs moving. I'd be like, I want to see all your titties flopping. All the men, I want to see your titties flopping like they've never flopped before. So now is the time for you all to leave a comment on geekade.com, okay? (laughs) This is, I need help with the response. So write in to Jonathan at Geekade. Let me know how I'm supposed to respond to the boobs flopping. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was fun. So uh, what else? We uh, we've been, we've been playing uh, River City Girls. Yeah, uh, that's a great game. But there's a couple of things Jonathan that just is very angry at it. That's how you know I love a video game when I'm getting rage at it. So that's why you love me, Patty. <laughs> specifically trying to avoid saying <laughs> that about everything because I don't rage at Patty. Okay, so you like you like traffic then. <laughs> You like when somebody cuts you off. I love it. Yeah, I, love I it. can tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To so it every we've day. we've been playing that. We've been playing the new Shovel Knight campaign. Yeah, um, which I like, but it's, I like to. It's not as good as the other ones, I don't think. But I think now they can finally start working on something else, which I'm really excited for. Shovel Knight Two. Oh God, yes, the digging. What? <laughs> <laughs> Electric Digolo. <laughs> Uh, you went almost Deuce Bigelow there. I was thinking Electric Bigelow. Electric? You mean Electric Boogaloo? Yeah. Because you're saying Electric Bigelow, and I'm thinking Deuce Bigelow. You know Bigelow, what? Yeah, I'm just... Male Jigelow. I'm just combining words. Shovel Knight 2, Electric Bigelow. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shovel Knight is going to be a male escort. I mean, he can do a lot of interesting things with that shovel, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, that's true. And the handle, especially. Yeah. Yeah. He knows how to handle a shaft. He knows how to handle... Oh, oh okay. Right, fine, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, okay, so we have exactly two new comics to talk about, Ooh. but things balance out because we have a lot of comics we're going to talk about later. So, whoops. Oops. Oopsie daisy. That's okay. I picked me a whole bouquet of oopsie daisies. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make that up. I can't cling for, credit for that. I've never heard that in my I've, life. How have you never? We've officially I've, known each other over six years now. Six years and two days. How have I never heard that from you before? I have said that joke twice before. Not in front of me, you have Yes, haven't. I have. Because <laughs> I saw that. Okay. It was, was I sleeping? No. It was from an episode of a show that you really don't like. Uh-oh. But you admitted that that is a very good joke. <laughs> uh, is it from SpongeBob? No. Damn it, what other show do I really not like? Love it, Live. No, it's an animated show, but it's it's American. It has American in it. What's the American? Wait, it's an American animated show. Yeah. Yeah. American Dad. Yeah. American Dad. Yeah, it's from American Dad. Oh, yeah, that's a fucking dumb show. Remember I showed you that episode where um, Francine got really into spanking? Yes. 
That was such a good episode. You even admitted that. Oh, that's what that was from? Yeah. Fuck, we watched that. Well, like- I don't know if that was from that episode, but oh. yeah. We, I was watching it with Becca when I was down there for some reason. Oh, that was so good. I know. That was so good. Oh, man. Right? <laughs> that, that show has jokes. I don't know why you don't like it. Shows have jokes that are not good. <laughs> Lots of shows have jokes, Patty. It doesn't mean that they're funny. Fine. <laughs> All right, so the first new comic we're talking about is Excalibur number six. And uh, all right, so remember how Apocalypse, I'm sorry, the artist formerly known as Apocalypse got killed by Rogue at the end of last issue? Yes. What have you been calling him in in your head? Have you been calling him A? No, I've been calling him Apocalypse. Look at my notes. I type it as Apocalypse. I'm not doing that. No. Because I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm not doing it. When I see it, I just say A. Okay. So I was wondering if you were the same way. A. I don't want to be, I don't want to be Canadianist. So, so Apocalypse is, is brought back, and he's greeted by Xavier, and then, and then Jamie Braddock. We find out from a data page that Jamie has conquered part of Avalon, which makes sense. Uh, he's, he can warp reality, so fucking good for him. I just thought it was weird that Apocalypse, because when I first saw him, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, we know the protocols, right? It has to be a month before somebody is quote-unquote dead, just to verify it. But he's a VIP, so he's, just We kidding. find out, yeah, he's, he's a VIP. So they have, um... He's very important Apocalypse. <laughs> They have, like, uh, the equivalent of billionaires there, I guess. So Apocalypse is a billionaire? Yeah. Oh, that's In this sad. world, yeah. Yeah, they get to just skip the line because they're more important. He, maybe he got a fast pass. I mean, they are <laughs> owned by Disney now. He got a fast pass so he can cut the line. <laughs> I know about fast passes. An old boss, told, uh, old boss of mine told me about them. Do you get one if you're crippled? <laughs> or do you just have to pay for it? Patty. What? No, I'm asking as a crip. Okay, well, listen. If we're going to go that route, if you've already just <laughs> dove right in the deep end of this, then I'm going to add to it. And I'm, and you should wheel up to them, right, and say, like, do I have to pay for it? Because, really, I've already paid for everything for my disability, <laughs> right? Am I right? Give them a little nudge. <laughs> Let them know that you're cool. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I, was, I was fucking with people at a con. I was, like, telling people, like, Oh, you know, like it's annoying. Like I don't think I should get special treatment. And the, the the staff was just like, "Oh yeah, well you know, blah blah blah." And I was like, "Wait, you don't think that I deserve special treatment? I'm in a wheelchair, you monster!" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, good times, good times. All right, I just like fucking with people, but I let the I let them know afterwards. I'm just fucking with them. <laughs> That's how you make friends. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So the apocalypse gets to be back right now. Fast pass. Bam. Yeah. He's back. Yeah. Also, I like uh, I, I like Richter's new look. Oh, with yeah. The hood. It's cool. Somebody said that he looked a little bit like Karnak, and I sadly had to agree, because I could see that a little bit, which yeah. is without the big head. And the stupid tattoos. Yeah, no, I really liked his look. I like his, like, punk edgy looks that he has the most. Oh, from Shatterstar. Oh, yeah, Shatterstar. We saw that in Shatterstar, and now that's yeah. gone. Yeah. And that was such a cool design with the shoulder spikes and stuff. Was that what the one was? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Spikes. He's, he's Hot Topic. He shops at Hot Topic. Yeah, and like back in the 90s too, he had like one punk ass costume, but now I don't remember what it looked like. I'll have to look it up later, but it was cool. Okay. So Excalibur is fighting Morgan's forces, right? And then fucking Apocalypse just walks up and he's just like, I'm going to go talk to Morgan. And he just, I'm like, this is what, what? He just in the middle of this huge fucking battle. So I'm going to go talk to this lady. So, all right. He proposes a battle to the death. Betsy versus Brian. My champion versus yours. 
So, okay, great. But I'm also, like, not sold with how quickly Rogue just forgets about Apocalypse. You know, she was mad that he was fucking beaten on Gambit, and then she killed him. And then, like, all of a sudden, he's back, and now she's just like, oh, okay, let's trust him. Like, that just happened way too quickly, in my opinion, and I wasn't a huge fan of it. Yeah, I thought that was weird, and also the premise of this fight to the death where one of them can be brought back to life yeah what's the stakes if brian dies like obviously betsy's not gonna want to kill him which she says like i can't kill him but then morgan would win right and then she would have the, the according to this battle have the rightful claim to the throne in, uh, of avalon i guess that was the state so i mean I, I i guess that's it but it was just it was bothering me she was just, like, so cool with it right away. But, all right, so fine. So Captain Britain and Brian are fighting, and then all of a sudden, Brian is impaled. And I'm looking, like, Jamie is kind of there, and I'm like, oh, maybe that's that's his doing. And then Apocalypse has uh, fucking Jubilee and Shogo on standby, and Shogo starts breathing all the fire at all the fucking soldiers. And so that's that's it. It's It's over. Brian lost. Morgan lost. So Apocalypse is like, oh, Morgan, you yield, and I'll allow you to live in exile. And uh, says that Jamie is the new king. And I thought that was really funny because he makes this like little crown pop on his head. So I thought that that was really cute. But Betsy steps on his dick. She stepped on his <laughs> dick. She is the crotch stomping captain and is like, bring him back. And he like, tries to be cute. And so that's why she steps on his dick. It was awesome. I loved it. So Jamie gets down and just boops him right on the forehead. To be honest, th- that that panel only could have been better if Jamie booped Brian on the nose. I kind of oh wish God, it was on right? the nose. But it, still, it was a boop. He said boop, and Brian got booped. It was the <laughs> booping of Brian. So it was great. It was great. And so then then Jamie gives Betsy and Brian jester hats. And that was adorable. Like, listen, I'm sorry. I don't know much about Jamie Braddock other than that he's a character. I remember having one of his trading cards when I was a kid. And I'm like, Braddock's? What, there's a fucking third one? Like, I didn't know that as a kid. And I didn't read probably like anything that he was in. But this guy is fucking hilarious. And everybody's like all worried about him. Like, oh, he's fucking crazy. Which, yeah, I guess. But right now, he's funny. Yeah, I don't remember much about him either. I know that he's done some fucked up shit. Who hasn't, to be fair? Huh? I forget exactly what he's done, so I can't say. Right. Um. So forgive and forget. That's what we're saying. Yeah, that's what we're saying. Yeah. So, uh, why did Apocalypse set it up like this? What do you mean? Does he think that he can control Jamie? Yes. Because that seems like a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> why not make Betsy? the new queen or someone that he could more easily control because i think he he is going to be able to easily control jamie i feel like apocalypse won't be able to get away with the shit that he's about to try to get away with if betsy was watching or if brian was watching but he will if jamie is watching and we see that at the end so you think a is up to no good a a yeah i think he i think he is and uh because we see that at the end you know like Oh, yeah, he's, like, dissecting Morgan. Yeah, she's still alive, apparently. She's, like, hooked up to something or whatever. And, you know, Jamie goes down to the fucking basement, and it looks all, like, seedy and shit. And Apocalypse is just, like, doing this shit to her. And Apocalypse is, like, you know, like, um, oh, you know, like, you're, you're the king or whatever, but don't ever interrupt me while I'm working. So that was weird. So what is he? what is he going to do to her? I don't know. But that's the kind of thing that he wouldn't be able to get away with if it were Betsy or Brian. So, yeah. 
I think so. I mean, I think Jamie's going to maybe go off on his own and do some fucked up shit, but he Apocalypse can get away with a lot more. That's what I okay. think. Okay. And then there was the whole issue of Rogue and Gambit talking about should we have babies? Should we not have babies? And Rogue said that she had a bad dream about it, that she would kill the baby or the baby would kill her or they'd both die. And that she doesn't want to have a kid. She was like, yeah, maybe someday. I'm not sure. And then just went to, no, it's my biggest fear. So she said that she doesn't want to have a kid. She signed up to live this life with you. And then Gambit says, and the cats. Yeah, that was cute. And yeah. If you did want a kid, it'd be a good excuse to spend all all our time fooling around. And she goes, who needs an excuse? Yeah, just use protection. Patty. This was like one of the sexiest scenes I have ever seen in an X-Men comic. It was so hot. Because they look so sexy. It was so hot. At least I thought so. But yes, yes. Sex responsibly. Use protection. <laughs> so, I mean, I, listen, I, uh, you know, I mean, I put this question out there. What do people think of that? And I'm getting a lot of like, oh, it was written too quickly, you know, and, uh, you know, so all of a sudden she decides this. And I get that. Absolutely, because it was what? Just because of a dream? She's all of a sudden like, oh no, I don't want to have a kid. Like, it's it's kind of weird. I mean, but also, like, she just got this, like, control of her powers back recently, you know? Well, she got it back recently, and then she lost it somehow, and then she just got it back recently. But which is, so so you had mentioned not too long ago how that was a weird thing, and, and I get that. But also, maybe this ties into Apocalypse somehow. Because remember, Richter couldn't fucking control his powers? All of a sudden, Apocalypse shows up, and Richter is okay. Yeah, I think it's an editorial oversight. There seems to be a lot. (laughs) All right, well, I still think that it could be something to do with Apocalypse. But, you know, I mean, she's got this ability to to touch now. Does she really want to get pregnant and carry that around and and whatever? Like, let her enjoy her, you know, like, making her own decisions. If she doesn't want to have a baby, then okay. So, I mean, I, I see the point of people saying that, like, the writing kind of just rushed it and glossed over a bunch of things. But at the same time, I sort of see it. What I'm most fascinated by is the fact that, you know, make more mutants happened, right? So now it's like, okay, even if even for those of you who aren't having kids right away, it's sort of like this society where there's this societal expectation that, you know, people are going to get together and they're going to have children. They're choosing not to. You know, I think that's that's cool. I think that's really interesting because if the quiet council hears about this, I feel like a conversation could come up and it would be a really interesting conversation for be like, you know, rogue to be like, listen, like I'm happy with with where you guys are, with where mutant kind is. But also like this is my choice and we don't want to we're not going to have children. And that's just it. Well, Hickman said something about it that like it doesn't mean that people are like forced to have kids or whatever or like they're allowed to have like bodily autonomy or whatever and i'm like okay cool because so like i mean i don't want to have kids right and like what about you know like gay couples you know um who you know they they're going to you know there's artificial insemination there's adoption there's all different kinds of ways but if people don't want it then people don't want it i think that's that's super interesting that's something interesting for the x-men to touch on and you know maybe this is the way to do it maybe this conversation never comes up again maybe it goes nowhere it's just something i thought about it's super interesting you know because yeah patty like you know patty just said like neither one of us wants to have kids you know like that's that's a thing but you know then uh early on when we were dating i would hear it from my mom like oh you know uh, kids grandkids blah you know and like 
your Tell mom. Tell one of your other kids to have kids then. <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, your mom and, you know, just kind of like, it's it's like, yeah, you get people saying like, oh, you'll change your mind and blah, blah, oh, blah. Oh, God. It's just like, no, you know, okay, like maybe someday far in the future, but how about we don't change our minds and that's just how we feel. So, so yeah, so that's why I was particularly drawn to that because I thought it was it was really interesting and that's not something that we really see with the X-Men. You know, everybody was really happy with the giant fucking mutant orgy at the end of Hox Pox and that was great and wonderful, but, you know, this, this adds something interesting to the conversation. So I mostly liked this issue. Uh, it was kind of a nice conclusion, but it set up more things in the future. Apocalypse has his, you know, puppet king in place who isn't a good guy. Um, performing late night experiments on somebody who's still living, but Betsy has Brian back, Rogue is back, she and Gambit are together, but um, also at the very end of this issue, there was another data page, and it looked like there were fucking, like, it was like instructions, it said, like, include at least one Omega level mutate, and it said Monarch in Krakowin, and so obviously that's Jamie. It said one of advanced age, and in Krakowin it said Exodus. And then it said, include components of Krakoa to protect and sanctify Magicka Superior. And I'm like, does that mean mutant magic? I'm, I'm assuming. Um, and it says, the magic of the Superior relies on strength of community. And we've seen that before in a data page. So I don't know what Apocalypse is trying to do. But, I don't know, he wants to be a magic caster, I guess. Alright. Yeah? Alright? Alright. So, next new comic we're talking about is Marauders number 6. And it opens with my baby in all of his glory. Pyro was like, wear a sheet and get beat, you racist clowns. And he burns them. And and it makes me really happy because I'm seeing more and more people like, I kind of love Pyro. Who would have thought? And I'm like, I've been saying this for decades. And now people are just finally fucking coming around to it. Yeah, because he's never gotten a spotlight before. Don't be mean. I'm just saying. He's got a spotlight in my heart, Patty. Okay. Does my heart count for nothing to you? Oh my god. <laughs> But it was weird. I'm like, who the fuck? Apparently, Iceman got hit at some point. So Kate pulls him below deck. I'm like, how the fuck did Omega Level Iceman get get fucking knocked out by these two idiots who just jumped on board? But uh, Executioner stabs through Kate and gets Pyro. And I thought it was a little funny that he yelled, it burns. Right? You get it? Pyro yelled, it burns. Yes. Pyro. I get it. Yelled. Yes. It burns. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Yellow Jacket gets inside of him, and I'm real mad that someone else got inside of him before I could get the chance to. Who knows if Avalanche ever even got the chance to be inside of him, you know? I'd like to think they did. <laughs> but this is a part of Homine Severandi's plan. Um, the point isn't to kill Pyro, it's to it's to spy on him. Because Yellow Jacket is in this tiny little fucking nanite ship flying around Pyro's innards. Fucking uh, Kate jumps off the ship onto the ship that they came in on and leaves Executioner and Hatemonger behind. And at first, I'm like, why? But then you see, like, the power dampening armor and Kate comes up to the top of the ship and it's Donald Pierce and Chen. She's she's hanging out with these fucking dipshits now. And Kate's like, I'm taking your ship. And Pierce is like, nope, I'm Madripoor's ambassador to the UN. And fucking Kate throws him on the ground and Chen is like, I, I have diplomatic immunity. And Kate is like, you hired a man in a hood to kill me and my friend and punches her on the fucking nose. Um, and like by this time, the rest of the team arrived, uh, Bishop and Storm, and Hatemonger throws a bomb and Bishop absorbs it. I thought that was really badass. He absorbs it and then blasts the executioner and Hatemonger overboard. And Kate tells Pierce to go swim. And then Storm like jump kicks Pierce overboard, and Kate throws Chen overboard. 
So it was so fucking dope. It was just, it was awesome. I loved all this action. I love seeing these assholes get their fucking comeuppance for being so shitty. You know, it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was really great to see Storm kick some ass. You know, I kind of wish that they had gotten more punishment than having to swim because the boat is right there. So not too much of an issue other than getting their clothes wet and maybe their cell phones. Um, <laughs> Got to put it in rice as soon as you get back on board. And, Man, and I uh, hope they have rice on board. Otherwise, what the fuck are they going to do? Yeah. Yeah. You can't just run to the store. They might have to buy a new phone. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, inconvenience. But, yeah, so they don't know that Yellow Jacket is in pyro, and, like, he got, like, up to his optical nerves or whatever so he can see what pyro is seeing. God, I wish that were me. (laughs) So, after all this fun, Iceman has Bishop and Pyro do a security sweep of the boat. And got Shinobi and the refugees to safety. And the other boat that Pierce was on, Kate is going to ride on it. Yeah, by herself. Yeah, by herself. Which was I stupid. thought that they said somebody was going with her. Well, Iceman wanted to. Uh, he was going to. And then Kate was like, no, it's okay. You don't have to worry about me. We can split up. Because Iceman had said he's going to be a fucking guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, I thought that what he meant was that, like, it was going to be, like, coming up or something. I didn't realize he meant, like, right now. Well, I don't think he necessarily meant, like, right this second, but but still, you know? I mean, I just, I, I could not believe it. I they... thought the whole point was to protect this girl. Yeah, and I think Kate is kind of getting that, you know, because it was stated not to her. But it was stated that's what they were doing. Remember last issue, Christian was like, you know, this is why you and Storm are just like hanging around her to make sure she's okay. And I have a feeling Kate knows this. But yeah, but essentially they split up and Kate was alone. And uh, you see fucking Yellow Jacket is is transmitting messages to uh, Hominis Berende about Bishop and Pyro sweeping the Marauder. It was amazing. Apparently Pyro is holding up some lingerie. Right? They are like going through the closets and shit. And Yellow Jacket goes, you know what? He could rock that. I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> this guy wants to see Pyro in lingerie? Who when, doesn't? When does that happen? Why Why is that not illustrated? <laughs> Can we put just one image on this database? Let's commission we... someone. <laughs> Who do you want to draw that? Karen. Let's get Karen to draw that. Shout out to Karen. Karen X-Men fan. Go look up her stuff. She can draw anything. And yeah, so then, but after that, Pyro goes and makes some Long Island iced teas and then goes to watch Rick and Morty. And Yellow Jack is like, we thought these guys wanted to exterminate humanity, but I don't know. They seem pretty chill. (laughs) He's so good. He watches Rick and Morty. It's a good show. It is a good show. But people judge it because of the fan base. Is there a shitty fan base? Yeah, you don't remember when McDonald's re-released the Suchin sauce or whatever for Mulan? Yeah. And they ran out of it in, like, five minutes, and people were, like, fucking rioting. Were they really? Yeah. Oh. Everybody's got a fucking shitty fan base. That stinks. (laughs) Listen, we're just, we're Rick and Morty fans, but we're not the Rick and Morty fan base, okay? Don't, don't, don't lump me in with those nerds. Yeah, and then, like, some people think they're, like, elitists, and they're like, oh, well, you don't get it because you're not smart enough to get the jokes Because you're not smart enough to get Rick and Morty? Yeah. Who says that? Or or just haters of the show say that 
you know, like, oh, you have to be so smart to watch it. Okay. I mean, to be honest. Which is not true. To be fair, that is why I don't like American Dad. It's way too fucking highbrow for (laughs) me. Like, I just, I don't, I don't get the jokes as I'm shaking my hand with my fingers touching my thumb. I don't get what the director is trying to tell me. You're making a very Italian hand gesture. Yes, because Italians are highbrow, right? (laughs) I, I don't know, you know? It's, 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 American Dad is like your Donnie Darko for me. Oh my God. <laughs> American Dad isn't the worst thing that you've ever seen. <laughs> oh, but it is, Patty. It's oh, not but it is. pretentious. Because I don't stupid. get it. It is okay. so pretentious. Okay? They just expect me, the viewer, to understand that there is an alien living in this home that is somehow the master of disguise. Nobody else in the world knows that this thing is an alien. Okay? it's That alien is Frank the Bunny of American Dad. That alien is the Frank the Bunny of American Dad. Oh, my God. Okay? I am going to write an essay about the similarities between American Dad and Frank the Bunny. And you're going to have no choice but to understand that the two are just intrinsically linked together. Sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Then Sebastian shows up. This was the perfect time for Kate to want to split up for for her fucking ego to get the best of her. Uh, I loved it. I loved it, though, when she she is so hardcore. It's great to see her this way. She says, Kate says to Sebastian that he's going to end up sleeping next to Sabretooth. But then he throws some Krakoa seeds. And, uh, you know, they grow and they grab her and she can't phase. And Lockheed is caught in this fucking goofy net that he shoots. And then he drops Lockheed overboard. And she's, like, so scared. She's like, fine, listen, do whatever you want, but save him. Sebastian kicks away her cutlass and then fucking, like, throws her overboard. He's like, when men look at me, they aren't afraid. They see money. Of course they don't want a fucking telepath, like, leading the fucking trading company. So, of course, he wants to fucking lead it. And I knew... That he was going to have a plan, you know, to fucking do something. But, you know, I thought maybe he'd go after Emma. I guess it makes more sense that he went after Kate. Why? You know, because she's more vulnerable. Emma's a telepath. Emma yeah, can... Yeah, but Kitty has nothing to do with it. Yeah, but, you know, this is taking a player off the fucking board. You know, this isn't going directly after Emma. This is just taking away a position. Yeah, but do you really think that Emma is going to let him appoint like everybody on the council i have no idea i don't know where he's gonna go next i guess we'll see where he goes next but i i think and i'm not saying that this is a good thing that he did by the way because i i am worried as fucking hell about kate and i want her to be okay but i think it was a smarter thing for him to do to try to go after the weak player first and get her out of the way instead of going directly after emma and but but apparently what I was getting at is that it seemed like Christian was in on it too because Shaw was fucking you know drinking what seemed like wine with him, like Christian knew that this was all going to fucking happen. I'm thinking like what kind he of did? yeah I'm like what kind of motivation does Christian have to be on it? That page that showed Shaw putting his plan into motion, Christian was there and they were like toasting to it. Oh okay well maybe I missed that. But didn't <clears throat> Emma point him? Christian? Yeah. Yeah. But Christian abstained from that vote last issue to send, like, Shinobi to go to one place and Kate to go to another place, which was kind of weird. Exactly. Maybe he's got a crush on Shinobi. I don't know. I think maybe he has a crush on Iceman and wants Iceman to join his team. And maybe this is a way to get Kate's team out of the way is by getting rid of Kate first. But also, you know, somebody pointed out on Twitter, like, are they toasting? Is he drinking? 
Christian's supposed to be sober. I feel like, you know, if he's drinking again, if he's relapsed, this might be some shitty thing that he's interested in doing, but it sucks. I don't want to see him relapse. Yeah. But right before her head goes under, Kate is like, I will live again only to kill you, and when I return, you will beg for my blade. But just to see her fucking drowning, like, is she, like, what, what? Is, is she gonna be okay? They just showed, like, a preview of issue 10. I think it was issue 10. Kate's not on the cover. Is she not part of the team anymore? Is she actually dead? Is she not a mutant? Is there, like, so many questions right now? And I'm, I'm really worried. I feel like it's gonna be so- Also, Marvel fucking spoils everything for us all the time. But that, but- Themselves. That's why I don't go on X Twitter. I get your complaint, and you're not wrong. But I also am taking that that release of that cover not necessarily as an indication. I'm trying to take that with a grain of salt because sometimes covers have nothing to do with what's actually inside the book or they don't give away everything inside the book. You know what I mean? So, but at the same time, I feel like it will be too predictable if somebody swoops in and saves her like next issue. Maybe they're going to string this along for a little bit and we just like don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, but when does the next issue come out? Unless it got pushed back, which it maybe did by a week or something. Um, Two weeks. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, I'm, I'm really, really worried about that. Um, I really love this issue, though. This was great. It was full of action. You know, there was a, this big fucking climactic battle. It could have been a little bit bigger. It could have a little bit, been a little bit better. But there was a lot of focus on Kate and her really fucking angry to see the hate monger. Um, and her talking through that a lot. I thought that was awesome. It moved forward. The plot point with Hominis Verande, the fucking kids, you know, that's going to come back. Uh, it moved this plot point with Sebastian forward. We knew he was going to have something up his sleeve, but when was it going to happen? So now we see it happen. And yeah, it was a really dope issue. I'm just, I'm really worried about, I guess I'm just really worried about Kate. And now that Sebastian has done this, I can't wait for somebody to fucking kick him in the dick. I really can't. I hope that uh, Shinobi kills him again. I was literally about to say, I hope Shinobi betrays him. Thank you for taking it one step further. <laughs> I hope Shinobi plants another fucking bomb in his chest and it and it explodes. I really do because because fuck this guy. Also, I thought it was interesting there were two different artists on uh, on this issue. I've seen a, a couple of people say that they didn't really like that. Uh, I'm not a big fan of multiple artists on one book either, but I don't also feel like the art was too different. Some, I didn't realize there were two artists. I'm very happy. So there you go. Case in point. Sometimes you get two artists on a book and it's just gross because it, it's so different. It's like, why? You know, I mean, the reason is, you know, they got to hit deadlines or whatever. Sometimes it's a necessity, but... I feel like these two artists were similar enough that it didn't work to the book's detriment. But it was just, this 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 title continues to be just a lot of fun, and, and it's great. I mean, I still say that this is my favorite. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I just want to, you know, see what happens to her, which I don't know if we're going to get to next issue, but I, I, want, I want her to be okay. Me too. So, do you think Pierce is a poor ambassador for Madripoor? Do you think Pyro would look hot? in lingerie don't go overboard folks we'll be right back after the commercial break good morning extremists we're back at the extreme cast with adam x and madam x to the max brought to you by extreme energy drink i can feel the extreme power surging through my veins extreme veins hey madam the extreme you know what i love what's that adam the extreme geekade.com 
telling me about that website was so extreme! To the max, by Poseidon's Pogs, Geekhead.com is gushing with geekiness for extreme geeks! Extreme geeks who like video games, Transformers, TV shows, wrestling, and comic books! To the max, Geekhead.com has extreme articles, podcasts, YouTube, and Twitch channels! By God's grunge music, Geekhead.com has everything that I want on the extreme internet! To the max! Extreme surfing? Nope! Extreme cockroach munching? Gross! Extreme crocodile wrestling? Lame! I can't wait to get back on Geekade.com, so it looks like we're gonna cut the extreme cast short again today. Cut it on the edges of my extreme edginess. Check out Geekade.com today, to the max. Alright, so, before we get to this month's mutant memories, I want to give a shout-out and thank you to artist Steven Gertz, and congratulations to the winner who I'm not going to give out that person's name, but they are a follower and listener on Instagram. They won uh, a set of stickers that they got to choose from Steven Gertz. And I'm going to put a link to his shop again in the show notes of this episode so you guys can check out his stuff. We don't have a giveaway this episode, obviously, but we will be having another one coming up. More details on that as it comes. might even be the next episode. We'll see. So, okay, so for this month's Mutant Memories, I finally got Patty to read it. It is Emma Frost solo series. The reason why we're talking about this is because, special occasion, Emma Frost's first appearance, for those of you who don't know, was in Uncanny X-Men number 129, and the published date on that was January 1980, 40th anniversary. Technically, that came out probably November 1979, but the date on it is January 1980, so it's been officially 40 years. So, we already kind of... Happy birthday, you old bitch. Whoa, what? What? Whoa. Whoa, whoa. So, yeah. So, so we kind of talked about her first appearance-ish a long time ago when we talked about the Dark Phoenix saga. And, you know, even if we did talk about her first appearance, she was only in there a little bit. So what better way to give her a spotlight, honestly, than on her solo series? Yeah. This series that I did not want to touch with a 40-foot pole because of the fucking awful, awful covers. This book, the first few issues were so fucking cliche, like as cliche as cliche can be. That And it felt so like a young adult's book in the beginning. It just starts out like, oh, hey, I'm Emma. I'm your average sophomore in high school. There's nothing special about me, dot, dot, dot. And then you're just like, okay, bitch, we know who you are. Okay, like, so so listen. So, <laughs> so all 18 issues of this series were cliche. Absolutely. All of them were completely cliche. Uh, as far as young adult goes, I would say, yeah. But again, I would apply that to the entire series, reading more like young adult. What I, what I, what helps me with it is, first of all, I'm a fan of Emma Frost. And second of all, you're taking sort of like these cliche sort of tropes and you're applying it to a mutant. So, so if you don't like this sort of reading... You may not like this, but if you can, you know, kind of accept that, you know, this involves a prominent uh, X-Men character, a prominent mutant character, then maybe it'll make it more enjoyable. It certainly, helped, it certainly helped me. You also have to get a friend to rip all of the covers off so you don't have to see them with your eyes. So Make your friends see them. So I'm not a fan, I'm not a big fan of this artist anyway, but, but yeah, so... 
according to somebody who has like some you know inside Marvel information, that the original plan for the series, the story was going to be different. I'm not saying that makes the covers okay, but what I'm saying is if you look at the covers, sure, yes, objectively they are bad, they are disturbing, they are embarrassing. But then you open that cover and look at what's inside the first bunch of issues, it's you've got fucking like adults, you know, scantily clad Emma, but then inside you've got teenage Emma and a story about her. The series was written by Carl Bowlers, Ballers, maybe? And there were a few different artists uh, on the series. The first arc was by Randy Green. Uh, the majority of the remainder of the art was by Carlo Pagulayan. And two other issues, one was drawn by Adriana Mello, and another was drawn by Will Conrad. I did like, for the most part, Randy Green's art. Uh, he's the one who did the first arc. You had mentioned something interesting that you thought, you said that it reminded you a little bit of Liefeld? Yeah, some of the faces did, yeah. Okay. I thought that that was interesting. Um, not the muscles. Right, no. Or the guns. Just all of the lines on the face. <laughs> <laughs> so so there was that. But yeah, so this is, you know, Emma Frost basically origin story. And, you know, it starts, starts out with her as a high school student. Did it mention she was specifically a sophomore? I feel like she was maybe no. a junior. Or... No, 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 no. I was just making a joke. Okay. Like, it's it felt like, you know, in anime where, like, the girl is just like, oh, I'm... You know, I'm your average second-year high school student. I'm a little clumsy, and there's nothing special about me. And then she, like, runs into the cute boy while she has a bread roll in her mouth. <laughs> that that was what this was. <laughs> that was exactly what this was. How, how it opened? Yes. Yeah, it sort, it sort of did. Um, as soon as without I read the bread the first, in the mouth. As soon as I read the first panel, I was ready to just text you and be like, I'm not reading this. But no, I, I, I gave it a chance. I just thought that the intro was so bad. Okay. All right. I got you. But yeah, so there's a lot that is set up in, uh, in the first issue. We find out, you know, who kind of like the high school adversary is. Matilda Brandt. She's the bitch. Mr. Kendall is... Which is new for Emma. Emma is usually the bitch in any room. Oh, man. This is going to be... This is going to be a ride. I did like this, though. I did, I did like this. Uh, Matilda calls calls her Enema Frost. Yeah, that was great. You know that's Iceman's nickname? <laughs> <laughs> I like that, uh... right? <laughs> yeah, but so, so really, a lot of the first arc it just revolves around the Frost family. A couple of them had been established before, like Cordelia and Adrienne, especially Adrienne, not so much Cordelia, and this series doesn't really do much for her either. Christian, Christian was relatively new, this gave a lot more to Christian, which was awesome, um, and then the parents, obviously who are rich, because, you know, fucking Emma lives in Boston, and the Frost family is fucking rich, because Winston runs some sort of Fortune 500 company, and he's a fucking douchebag. Oh, uh, do you think that's why Emma opened her school in Massachusetts? Probably. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I didn't remember she was from Boston. <laughs> yeah, from Boston. But she lives in a fucking mansion, and she's got all the servants and the limo driver and whatever. Yeah, but she doesn't seem or act too much like, you know, your spoiled rich girl. She just Adrienne wants to go does. to the parties. The dance. She, she wants, wants to go, go to the dance. You know but why? Daddy won't let me. Because Mr. Kendall is going to be there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Ian. Oh, Mr. Kendall. He's so His dreamy. His name is Ian, Ian, Emma. He's so dreamy. Call him Ian. 
And that but, said, that bitch asked if she could call him Ian, and he was like, what? No. And then Emma, <laughs> Emma asked, and he was like, oh, for you anything, baby. <laughs> yeah. He's a creep. And, and like, I think I feel like it's supposed to come off as innocent the way it's written, but it's Was still- it written? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Okay, Carl. Okay, that's all you need to know. The guy, the person who wrote it, his name is Carl. Yeah. Which tells you that it was written by a man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Carl mansplains the Emma. (laughs) All right, anyway. Yeah, because Emma is, you know, she's not, she's not dumb but she's also not like the smartest she she managed to pull her grades up to b's and that's i why told you i'm an average high school student that's why she wants to show daddy that she pulled actual daddy okay <laughs> not not another daddy actual daddy that she pulled her grades up so she, she should be allowed to go to the dance and you know ian is really pulling for her i'm more than your teacher i'm your friend you know it is a not creepy thing that dudes say to underage girls all the time yeah not creepy at all yeah and that's what I'm saying, you know, so there's going to be a bunch more of that. So as much as I do like this series, I, I will not give it like the highest praise because there are a bunch of problematic things here. Not the least of which is this whole student teacher weird power dynamic that also involves a minor. But this comes back later when she's an adult. But there's a bunch of other things, too. There's always a man involved. Emma's always attached to a man somehow. Like Jean. And and it doesn't really... It, it, it doesn't have to be that way. But but uh, but Emma's been having headaches. And, you know, all of a sudden she starts fucking hearing voices and stuff. And she's, you know, kind of like meek and insecure. And, and it's really interesting to see to see Emma this way. You know, to see her as kind of like unconfident and unsure about herself. And with brown hair. It's just absolutely nuts. Oh, you thought she was a natural blonde? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so Emma starts pulling this shit when she's, like, taking tests. She can start fucking, like, reading the minds of people around her to get the right answers. And this bitch Matilda that keeps coming for her, Matilda, like, rips her dress at the fucking dance and embarrasses her. Matilda's the one who called her Emma, Enema Frost. And when Emma gets such good grades uh, on the test, Matilda complains to her parents, and then Emma has to take the fucking test again to prove that she could do it on her own without cheating. But Winston treats his whole family like shit, calls Christian like a moron, gives Emma shit all the fucking time like about her grades. Like, oh, you got Bs? So what? They're not As. Like, uh, Winston finds out about her fucking, uh, about Matilda telling her parents and forcing Emma to have to take the test again and winston calls the school and has them rip up the test and just like you're not gonna test my daughter again she got an a you know he's just like so fucking controlling and such a fucking douchebag yeah and uh he said something about like being proud of her for cheating or whatever that even if she cheated she got an a so who cares yeah and obviously he's a billionaire so i'm sure he's done his fair share of cheating and stealing and lying and all that shit too so he needs a conniving little bitch, so that's what he's training his kids to be. Yeah. Adrienne is working out just fine because she turns out to be a conniving bitch. Oh, God. She's the fucking worst. She is. She's like, I don't care how many kids have to work in the fucking sweatshops, like, extra hours. Like, this dress is going to be made or something like that for her fucking fashion line or some bullshit. But, you know, the love interest in this whole first arc is Ian. And they're at a fucking, they're on a fucking field trip, and Emma's like, accidentally reading his mind and she like faints and ian's like oh let's get you some food or something and they eat together 
Like, all the fucking students are around, right? But they're sitting at a table alone together. And fucking Ian is trying to encourage Emma to join the peer tutor program. And Emma's like, will you be there? <laughs> Stupid. But it's but it's it's great. It's great because when she's fucking doing it, she finds that she likes tutoring her classmates and that she likes teaching. And so that's that's nifty. And she also learns that her teacher thinks that she's sexy, which is fucking disgusting. Yeah. So again, this is one of those things where it's just like, bro, you don't like there there could have been a different love interest. There could have been like a fellow student or something encouraging. But it had I think to be... she went to a girl's school. Yeah, but uh, there could have been, I mean, at the dance, you know, there was the one dude bro. Oh, yeah, who, yeah, with who the said, piercing, yeah. Yeah, that said that like, her hair smelled like uh, jasmine and honeysuckle. Has anyone ever told you your hair smells like jasmine and honeysuckle? <laughs> no? Well, I just did. You should dance. <laughs> when her dad finds out that she wants to be a teacher, he won't have it. He breaks his laptop and yells at her over it. Yeah, because it's so pedestrian to be a teacher. Yeah. Because they make, like, no money. And why? Why would you want to help people? I'm a billionaire. We don't do that. <laughs> yeah, she gets an A on her quiz. And fucking Winston is like, and what of it? So you, just, you feel so bad for Emma at home. And, of course, it's just, like, pushing her more into the quote-unquote arms of fucking Ian, you know? But Emma tells her dad that Ian is the one encouraging her. So it's sort of like, you know, oh, Ian cares about me, you don't. So fucking Winston sets up this whole fucking thing where the chauffeur takes her out, the car breaks down, he's got to leave, Ian's driving by, sees that Emma is stuck, and then takes her in the car to drive her home, and Emma falls asleep, and when she wakes up and he's looking at her, she kisses him. And sure, Ian is like, no, you can't do that, but it doesn't matter, because Winston was planning for this and got a picture of it and managed to get Ian fired. And, like, dude, like, you don't... you If you have the thought that your student, who is a minor, is sexy, A, you get out of there, you know? At the very least, you, you get out of that class and go someplace else. Or, B, you leave the profession... Because you're having a crush on an underage girl, so don't teach any more underage girls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you don't invite her into your car. So something like that could accidentally happen. There are, like, you know, little pointers on how not to be a pedophile. I feel like, you know, this guy missed that lesson somewhere in life. I don't know. That didn't need to be the story. Yeah. It just, it it really, it really fucking didn't. So it's almost like, I don't know if, if you're supposed to feel bad for Ian for getting fired by Winston? I think you're supposed to. <laughs> because it wasn't his fault. <laughs> she came on to me, Your Honor. Oh, my God. Look what she was wearing, Your Honor. Yeah, exactly. I, oh. I mean... Have you seen the covers? <laughs> I mean, it's Greg Horn, you know? What's with the Gregs? Greg he did Horn? the covers? This isn't Greg. You're, you might, are you confusing him with Greg Land right no, now? No, 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 no. Greg Horn. Greg Horn also does porn. <laughs> what? No, Greg Horn is the one that does like... He's a porn actor? Yes. Yeah, he's in porn. He does what porn? What do you mean he does Greg I've Horn porn? I've seen him do like art that looks porny. He has. We've seen him. Yeah, We've yeah, yeah. seen him at a convention. Yeah, so he does do the porn art. So that's why it's so bad. Okay. Yeah. There, There, there is one cover, though. There is one cover that I love, Patty. The, the one issue, I forget which one it was... Where she's staying there, and she's wearing the shirt with the happy bees on it, and it says, be mine. 
Patty, that is adorable. I want that shirt. Patty. No, it's going to give the wrong impression to other girls. <laughs> Patty, no one else wants to be mine, okay? But you don't know that. I do know that. You do not know that. I do know That's that. speculation. Nobody wants to be mine except for you, and it's only meant for you. But anybody can read it. <laughs> God damn it. Patty, I want that shirt. Fine. <laughs> Yeah, and Winston is, like, proud of himself for being behind this. And so, okay, so, but then we learn that Christian is gay. Because Christian got his own place. And a guy leaves in a huff. And Emma accidentally touches him and sees all the guy's memories. So we learn that Christian is gay. How about that? How about that? How about that? Which would explain why he was so good with the hair and makeup. Getting Emma ready for the dance. And how she looked great and white. Do you get it? Yeah. Do you get it? I do. You get why he said she looked great and white? Yeah. They go on vacation. So Emma graduated high school. Adrienne is hoping to inherit Winston's business when he dies. She's like, it's not going to be Cordelia. Because Cordelia is like the fucking hot topic teenager of the bunch. Who's on drugs. Who's on drugs. And it's not going to be Christian. Uh, It's not going to be Emma because she wants to be a teacher. So it's going to be Adrienne. Adrienne's going to, she's going to inherit the business. So that's what she thinks. But anyway, on fucking vacation, Emma catches Winston with another woman uh, and manages to take pictures. Christian is out at this club and gets drugged, and Emma saves him. So then Christian, you know, admits everything to Emma when they're finally fucking back home, that he's gay, couldn't tell anybody else about the relationship, but uh, Adrienne is recording the admission and plays it for Winston, and Winston just fucking berates him for being gay. Yeah, Winston wants Christian to move back home and out of his quote-unquote lifestyle, but Emma shows the pictures of Winston out with another woman to Hazel, which is Mama Frost. And Hazel is just in fucking denial. Like, oh, somebody could have done something to those pictures. So Emma's, like, getting mad at Hazel when she's saying that and accidentally knocks her out telepathically. And I thought this was funny. When a doctor comes to check on her, the doctor's name is Upjohn. <laughs> Upjohn. What's up, John? What's up, John? And then fucking Hazel. There's no characteris- no characterization to Hazel at all, except to be, like, this mostly quiet trophy wife who doesn't get in the middle of any of the arguments but after this incident but she's on like high doses of valium and shit that's what happens after this incident you know when the doctor checks on her because emma's not going to be like oh i think i did this to mom you know the doctor just puts her on a shit ton of fucking pills and she turns into a zombie and it's really fucking sad so but you know again she's not characterized as anything anyway but it's, it's still kind of a sad thing that happens But in the meantime, Winston tries to punish Christian for not coming home and tries to force him. So he changes the locks on Christian's fucking townhouse and freezes the fucking bank account. So Emma has it so Christian can move in with Dante. But Winston is so powerful, he's got the cops in his pocket. And the cops come up and get Dante, Christian's lover, with illegal firearms and narcotics possession. And fucking Dante gets deported. Winston figures that this is going to force Christian to move back home, and then Christian hangs himself. Yep. That was the fucking... And, of course, Emma's the one who finds him. But Emma managed to do it in time. And did Daddy fucking care at all? No. No. He was more pissed that... He didn't kill himself. Yeah, that he didn't kill himself, because now this shit... That he's in the fact that he's in the hospital is going to get out to the press. So his first concern. Yeah, he was pissed that Emma called nine one one. Yeah, you know he does everything he can to make sure it doesn't get out to the fucking public, and it's really sad because yeah, Christian does survive, but then he gets Cordelia to fucking give him drugs. So he turns into he turns himself to a fucking addict. He's just drinking and fucking doing drugs all the time. He's high at a fucking party, and Winston, at first. 
Emma's like, I don't know who else to turn to. So she turns to her dad, and Winston seems like he's going to redeem himself a little bit. And is like, sure, I'll get him some help. And Emma is still, like, her powers aren't refined. She still doesn't know what she's going on, but she gets this sense in Winston's head that he's telling the truth. Like, okay, Christian's going to get some help. But Winston sits them all down and is about to decide that Emma is going to inherit his business when he dies, but decides to have Christian taken away to a fucking house for the mentally ill. And Emma basically flips the fuck out and storms out to strike out on her own. Um, as much conflict and as there was here with, like, Christian hanging himself, all the bullshit with Ian, even fucking Matilda early on, really the true fucking villain here is Winston. He is a controlling, nasty, uncaring piece of shit who cares more about money and power than his own fucking family. Yeah, he's a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. sounds right. Period. Yep. Yep. I thought that her trusting her dad was the stupidest fucking thing that she did. That was stupid. I agree. I don't know why she thought that she could do that now. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I feel like she she felt like there was no one else to turn to. It's not like she really had friends. She had her mom, who was a zombie and didn't know what was going on. She had Cordelia, who was the one who gave Christian the drugs in the first place. She had Adrienne, who was a backstabbing piece of shit. And she had Winston. Winston was the only one who had any, like power in this situation unfortunately he had all of it and i still wouldn't have talked to him i would have just bottled that shit up i listen and i'm not saying you're wrong i'm just trying to think out loud like who else could she have turned to to try to get christian some help because otherwise the dude was going to kill himself with the drugs no but i really liked this first arc of course it was so problematic that ian was a thing again it could have been some dude at the fucking dance Something else could have happened there. Winston could have fucking thrown his, you know, his money and power around with that instead of it. Instead of this student-teacher relationship because Emma, like, was just head over heels for the fucking guy. And that didn't need to be a thing. Like, I get the young adult archetype here, the cliche that she was going to have to have some sort of romantic interest. But it could have been done a different way. And um, that's really my biggest complaint about... And maybe, I want to say, almost my only complaint about this first arc. Because the rest of it, as cliche as it was, gave an interesting setup for Emma. Alright, so the second arc. So that's when Carlo Pagalayan took over and did this entire arc. And it's not that the art was bad, but I felt like it didn't fit with the story all the time. And it certainly didn't fit with Emma and her attitude. I guess it didn't bother me. It didn't stick out either way. Okay. Well, I mean, the whole thing with this is fucking uh, Emma trying to strike out on her own. Obviously, she's got no access to any of the money that her family has. Um, but she tries to use her powers to uh, get food at a restaurant and make uh, the waitress see, like, large bills. And the fucking, like, maitre d' or whatever, like, catches on and makes her wash dishes. So she meets another guy. She meets Troy. Yeah, Troy's a good guy. Is he? Is he? <laughs> Well, they seem to sort of fall for each other pretty quickly. They, you know, they connect and they stay up real late telling each other, you know, their life stories. And he offers her a place to stay instead of this shitty fucking motel that she can't pay for. And... With no strings attached. And he says that he'll sleep in the sleeping bag and she can have the bed, which is very gentlemanly. <laughs> but then, Ope. Ope. Ope, guess what? What? Maybe Troy isn't such a good guy after all because he's in ten grand from a loan shark. Yeah, 
He's got to get that money somehow. Otherwise, he's going to get killed by these goons. So Troy has an idea. Let's go to a fucking casino boat. And this bothered me. This is something I noticed and I had never noticed before. This is probably the fourth or fifth time I've read through this series. At the very end of one of these issues, as they're going into the fucking casino, Emma's got blonde hair. So I'm like, oh, she fucking, she dyed her hair. This is when it started? And then as soon as you go to the next issue, it's back to brown again. So somebody fucked up and nobody corrected it. Oops. But, uh... Troy isn't super good at gambling. He's not. Emma didn't help even though she could. I mean, she's still sort of... Nope, she she was concentrating and knew what cards there were. She just didn't say anything. Oh, you know what? I didn't think she realized until too late that, like, whatever that guy had, the straight flush beat whatever Troy had. Well, why didn't he teach her? Because <laughs> Troy's stupid! That's how, do like... you get it? how do you go in the hole, ten grand, with a guy with, with a name like Lucian? That's almost Lucifer. You don't do that. I don't know. I feel like if you decided to take me to, like, a football game or something... Patty. You should explain to me how football works. Okay. Okay. So... Jonathan. This season's about to end. Jonathan. New football starts in September. Jonathan. We're going to go to a football game. Jonathan. I'm going to explain it to you. Jonathan. And we're going to play some bets. Jonathan. And you're going to use your telepathy to help us win some money. Jonathan. All right, baby? We got this. All right. We got this. No, I'm just kidding. We're we're not watching football. Football. Did you say football? Football. (laughs) I saw it on one of those shirts from um, from Obvious Plant, and it just stuck with me for some reason. Football. Yeah, they went back. Emma in charge this time. Hell yeah! Troy didn't want to risk any of his money, and then she proved that she knew what all the cards that he was holding were. So he's like, okay. And she's like, I think I got the rules now. I think I can do this. And she wins a whole bunch of pokers. <laughs> so they have uh, the 10 grants they need. They got 10,000 pokers. 10,000 pokers. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Troy is bragging in the cab to the cabbie. That's that so stupid. That she was, uh, she was psychic, which is fucking like, okay, we're not supposed to tell anybody. They show up and try to give Lucian his Lucian? It might be Lucian, but Lucian? I, it looks like Lucian. Lucian. Lucy, you know what? You got some explaining to do. <laughs> it's like the name Cian. Oh, I thought that was seen when I was a kid. Yeah, so I'm not going to pronounce it the quote-unquote right way, even though my mom taught me when I was a kid, because there was this kid who bullied my brother named Sean, and then I saw his name written, and I was like, his name isn't Sean, it's Cian. <laughs> and my mom's like, no, that's how it's written. And I'm like, bullshit it is. Look at it. That's not how you read that. I remember being little and thinking it was seen. I don't fucking And the same thing like Geoff. What kind of name is Geoff? I literally didn't know that it was oh, supposed to be pronounced Jeff, and I showed it to Jonathan, and I'm like, yeah, this girl has a boyfriend. His name is Geoff. Isn't that the stupidest fucking thing you've heard? And then I told you it was Jeff. Yeah, and I was like, bull fucking shit, look yeah. at it. Yeah. So my apologies to any <laughs> Jeffs that are spelled with a G. There, there are Sean. no such things. There's Jeff There's, Johns. No. Jeff, Jeff Johns is like the president of DC or something. He's been writing comics for like over two decades. Jonathan, there <laughs> is no such person named Jeff spelled with a G because it doesn't exist. That, that is, name is Geoff, not Jeff. That's Jeff Johns. Good for him. His name is not Jeff. His name is Geoff. <laughs> Jeffrey. <laughs> Geoffrey. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Patty, Do I need is, to teach you phonics? Patty, this, 
I'm sorry, it's pronounced Pahonics. <laughs> there is no phonics, it is Pahonics. I'm hooked on phonics. <laughs> you need to go to rehab. <laughs> Alright, uh, anyway. So yeah, but so they owe Lucy 5000 in interest. And, you know, Troy can't go back to the restaurant because Milo and Stu, who are the goons for Lucy, they attacked him there. <laughs> And, you know, because of his apartment getting ransacked by Milo and Stu, uh, Troy can't go back to the apartment, so Emma's just like, let's go back to the casino. But they, they keep losing, Emma tries to scam them, because this time, I guess she doesn't want to be obvious and do the fucking cards or whatever again, so she tries the slot machines. Uh, when they go to cash out, she, you know, makes the person, the fucking, whatever you call them, the, the cashier person at the casino, she makes them see all these fucking chips, but they ca- they get caught on camera with the empty fucking bucket, and they don't get arrested, they don't get their legs broken or anything, which is how I imagine they do things at a casino when you get caught cheating, because I've only seen that in mob movies, because yes. I've never been actually to a casino. Accurate. You know, and they leave after losing, they get brought to Lucy by gunpoint by Milo and Stu. They're going to fucking get killed when Troy comes up with this fucking dope-ass plan. Smart guy Troy. Tell me. Is like, oh, but she's a frost and her dad's fucking rich. So how about we do this? We'll just we'll just pretend to hold her for ransom and we'll get all this money. Gene, yes. I Can't know. see any issues with it. Yeah. So that's what they decide to do. They're going to make a video. They're not going to do any, any writing or whatever. They get this guy Baz to come make the ransom video and put Emma in a cage. And but this I liked this I thought was clever. The video is called Dill Emma. Yeah, yeah, I like right? that. You like that? Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. Dill Emma, that was real fucking clever. So we cut to Winston who's with Adrian. Apparently she's been embezzling funds from Winston and she got caught and she's again? like, oh, yeah, again. She's like, oh, I've changed. So fucking, you know, Winston watches the tape and sends back a response and is like, uh, that's too much to pay for her. Emma is worth nothing. The daughter who ran out on me, do whatever you're going to do with her. And they can't fucking believe that this guy doesn't care what happens to his daughter. But Adrian brings the dilemma tape to a news station, and it gets played on TV. So now Daddy has to respond. And that was hilarious. Yeah, she uh, she wanted money. She wanted money for it. She thought she was going to get paid. But it was funny because Winston was mad. Not because, obviously, Emma was in any danger or whatever, but because he was going to have to respond now. And the fucking detectives even show up. And he's like, oh, how long has it been since you last saw uh, Emma? And Winston's like, how should I know? I can't keep track. I have a Fortune 500 company to run. It's fucking, and Hazel's watching the TV and sees Emma on the television in a fucking cage. And Hazel's just like, that poor girl. Yeah, her like, poor parents. Seriously. So to put the fear of God into him, uh, Lucy and co. cut off a lock of her brown hair and send it in a box with an ear, which turned out to be Troy's because they fucking killed him. Yeah. Oops, accident. Lucy and, and Troy fought and Troy got killed. Yeah, because after Winston sent that tape back, Lucy figured, you know, like they, they all figured, oh, shit, we're not getting paid. And Troy tried to distract Lucy so Emma could run. He ended up getting shot and killed, and Emma was, like, really fucking broken. That was that was really sad. But at the same time, like, you just see another guy that Emma just got so fucking attached to immediately. It was kind of, like, ridiculous to see that. I mean, again, this whole romance thing in the sort of, like, cliche sort of thing that they were going for. But I just... He wasn't that great of a guy. You know what I mean? And she was just, like, all in. I guess this was something new for her. You know? She had been, like you know, kept in that mansion for all her life, and now 
she was trying to like live and this was something new and she saw this guy taking an interest in her and cared about her. I'm not saying he was using her or anything, even though he sort of did to save their asses when he was like, oh, she's a frost, but... Well, to save his ass. But still, to see Emma just like so invested in this guy was just upsetting. But Emma got fucking bad ass to get out of all of this because Winston agreed to pay some of the money up front uh, before getting Emma back, and Emma just starts actually using her powers. Up until this point, it's happening here and there, in, like, small little doses, and, like, a little bit of mind reading so she would be able to win in the fucking casino, but here is where she really uses it fucking offensively. Fucking, she's putting thoughts into Milo and Stu's head about how Lucian is gonna take all the fucking money and they're not gonna get a cut. She... Uh, puts in Petal's head, who is Lucian's girlfriend, that he's, like, interested in Emma. Like, she's doing all this shit to fuck with all of them. And they all start, like, yelling at each other and then pulling guns on each other. And eventually they fucking kill each other. And uh, the guy who made the fucking video, uh, the ransom video, Baz, lets Emma out. And then she handcuffs him and says that she's going to leave him for the police. And then she telepathically masks her presence to the detectives waiting outside the locker where the ransom money is, takes the money, dyes her hair blonde, and goes to New York City. And that was fucking badass. So, as ridiculous as some of this arc was, A, it, you know, further characterized Winston as a fucking villain, um, but also, it showed Emma using more of her powers and eventually using them offensively, and it was fucking awesome to see. I just thought of this. I know this is, like, a fantasy world or whatever, but, like, don't you need a social security number to get into college? Uh, maybe. Because I feel like if she's missing and they don't know where she is and she called in an anonymous tip and the people who are holding her are all dead and she's missing, that they would have, like, would be, like, tracking it somehow. They'd have questions for her? Maybe. You think the police would maybe want to talk to her? Maybe. She might be a person of interest? You might think that. You might think that. You might think that. One might Think that. Possibly. However, Patricia, we are living in a fantasy world of Is Emma Frost. This the real <laughs> Is this you are a queen. Thank you. But this final arc was, in a way, my favorite, but also, in a way, a little annoying. Because the final arc um, is where she goes to Empire State University, and the art Adriana Mello does for this one issue. Emma looks iconic. She has all the fucking attitude, all the emotion in her face. Like, she knows she's the shit. She's confident now. The hair, the boobs, the lips. No one knows her. She chastises this guy for bumping into her. And, like, you just get that from her. And that's what I don't get from this uh, this other artist. Uh, I don't get that from Carlo Pagulayan, who did, like, the majority of the art for this book. Again, it's not bad. It's just not as fitting as some of the other art. So anyway, that's that's what I think. It's great, though. She's, you know, she's majoring in education. She's got a minor in business. She still wants to be a teacher, and that's dope. Guess what She else she knows, Patty? She knows accounting. Yeah, but Emma the accounting Frost, stuff that she was saying you learn on day one of 101. Emma Frost knows accounting. She has something in common that's, with you. That's and not... That, Makes not, me so that's happy. That's not true. That's like saying I know math because two plus two equals four. I couldn't explain a balance sheet or accounts payable or accounts receivable like really? she could. No, not the way she could. But you know what they are. 
I mean, I have an idea of what accounts payable and receivable are, but not a balance sheet. I would have guessed wrong. Yeah, well, she wasn't guessing. She was stealing information from the teacher's head. She knew, okay? No, she did not. Stealing is still knowing, okay? Oh, my God. If I steal something, it is still mine. So the police come and take it away from me. <laughs> okay? Fine. <laughs> That's how ownership works. <laughs> but I thought that was amazing. But Emma gets a roommate because she's fucking dorming. The roommate's nickname from her parents is Chipmunk, which is funny. But also, this roommate, Christy, has a mentor. Patty, guess who the mentor is? Who's the mentor? You'll never guess. Never is it Troy? in the world will you guess. Is it Troy? Is it Troy's ear? Is it Troy's ear? <laughs> it's, it's Ian. Ian? It's I Ian. remember that name. Yeah, you remember that the guy? The teacher who thought she was sexy? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Who got fired from the girls' school, but yet, but he got a job at this fucking university? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's not with underage girls anymore. Yeah. So he, he took your advice, but after the fact. <laughs> but it's it's awkward, and you kind of get the sense that Christy's got a little bit of a thing for Ian at first, but for whatever reason, she's still fine with Emma and Ian recognizing each other and leaving the room so they can catch up a little bit, which I thought was weird. But, you know, it's it's awkward. Yeah, he but he excuses what happened, you know? Like getting fired. He's like, "Oh, every schoolgirl is allowed a crush." I'm like, "Bro, like bro, like you don't." Oh. But then we start seeing uh anti-mutant sentiment on campus because that's what college campuses are known for. They're they're known for being unaccepting of different people and different walks of life. Certain Abs- colleges absolutely. are. No, that that's true. Certain colleges are, but really, one in in fucking New York. I I don't know about that. So so that was a little weird, but it did work for the story. There's just tons of anti mutant sentiment because we saw in a previous issue, Emma had the TV on, and you saw um the original X Men wearing like their second costumes. So this was you know a while ago. Emma even wasn't even sure yet, um, even up until this point in the final arc of the of the series, that she was a mutant and what was going on. Yeah, so this this becomes a fucking thing, you know? Emma takes on a girl in class. This fucking girl, they're starting to have a discussion about mutants in fucking school and, like, cheating and stuff like that and having an unfair advantage. And the girl's like, can you imagine a kid vaporizing another kid for his milk money? And Emma goes, nope. But then the problem is that he's a sociopath, not a mutant. And I thought that was a badass thing of Emma to say. And Emma even finds out that fucking Christy, her roommate, hates mutants too. But then all of a sudden, there's some dialogue in, like, this fucking pinkish dialogue box. And this girl is Astrid Bloom. She is very interesting. She uses slang like love, L-U-V, and darling. Mm-hmm. How about that? It's, it's, uh... Never heard that before. We, we get the, uh, the, get the impression that she's got a little bit of a British accent, maybe? And maybe uh, some kind of influence on Emma's vernacular. You don't say. Yeah, you You're don't. You're fooling. Yeah, so so this is interesting. Astrid is just confident as fuck, and Astrid tells tells her about mutants, so she's learning it by reading books about Xavier. Emma tries to read Astrid's mind and just hits a brick wall, and it's just really interesting. And this is how the two of them talk almost all the time that they talk. It's telepathically. Astrid points out that Emma isn't even trying to develop her powers. You know, you're just using it to cheat on fucking exams. Which is wrong. What's wrong? According to Astrid. <laughs> I Not don't, according I to Patty. No, I, I, if kidding. you can cheat and get away with it, fucking do it. Whoa, hey. 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 I mean, on tests. <laughs> Listen, kids, stay in school and study, okay? 
I'm not giving that the mutant music oh, no, official endorsement. I'm talking about like college kids. If you can cheat and get away with it, do it. We met in an ethics class. Patty. Jonathan. Oh, my God. Oh, my Patty. God. Jonathan. Oh, my God. So we get a little bit of backstory on Astrid. Her dad died. Her mom remarried. There was a new baby. Astrid became the shitty kid. The, the mom loved the new baby more and, like, even said it to the baby that the baby was a new fucking favorite. And when Astrid told her family about her power, she was rejected and that she left. And Emma wanted Astrid to teach her to use her powers. And so that's fucking awesome. Um, I really like that. Um, and Emma does use her new powers to read Christy th- Christy's thoughts and see that she's having a thing with her mentor, with Ian. They're, what? they're making out. Say what? Yeah, I know, right? Sir fucking prize. Who knew that this guy had a thing for younger fucking women and this fucking teacher-student dynamic thing? Not which is, I. Yeah, it's just, it, it's not. I thought he was like a counselor or something. Well, he he was. No, he was. He wasn't a teacher. He was a mentor slash, like, academic counselor or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in a position of power at the fucking school. So Astrid manages to convince, sort of, Emma to go out on a date with this guy, Max, who's been crushing on her. And, you know, he's kind of like a meathead and a dumb guy, but he, he seems genuine. They go out. They seem to be having a good time. At the end of the night, Emma starts to, like, say how, like, he want, she wants things to sort of go slow. And then all of a sudden, Max starts yelling at her and even tries to hit her. And Emma yells fire, and these guys come running and tackle him. Fucking, it's weird because it's so out of character. Max has been, like, nothing but, like, trying to be trying to be sweet on fucking Emma the whole time. But then all of a sudden, he gets fucking violent, and it just seemed weird. But after the incident, Ian comes to visit, and Emma asks him if something is going on between him and Christian. I'm like, the scandal! It's like a soap opera. Wow. I know. Slap. <laughs> but then Emma kisses Ian. The scandal. The scandal. I can't believe it. Slap. <laughs> what? Yeah, Max Max gets kicked out of school. And fucking Christy tells Emma that Ian told her everything. And Christy's like, I can't share a room with, with you anymore. So Astrid moves in. And Emma, again, uses her, her, her powers um, and this was really cool because Emma and Ian are taking a walk and a mugger comes out of nowhere. Emma makes him put his gun down, take off his clothes and walk away. And I thought that was great. But Christy threatens Ian and is like, listen, if you don't break up with Emma, I'm going to fucking tell the administration about you two. So we find out that his relationship was also this relationship that he had with Christy was also not okay. Because at first I was like, oh, well, they're both adults or whatever. But nope, it's not okay. Yeah, no, it's not okay. Uh, Out of nowhere, uh, Ian starts choking Christy and then stops and is like, what am I doing? And then Astrid is there? She says everything is going according to plan? What? El gasp. (laughs) Is Astrid bad? So, yeah, uh, Emma Emma tries to read Ian's mind after he says what happened because he's going to have to go talk to the administration about this because christy does tell them she tries to read ian's mind and can't there's a just a gap there but then she goes to christy and reads christy's mind and sees that yeah uh ian really did show christy but he used words like love and darling uh when he was saying it and so she confronts astrid and astrid is fucking behind it astrid absorbs emma's psyche so emma can't go do anything about it and Astrid thinks humanity is beneath mutants. She says that humanity, they're soulless meat puppets. 
And Emma even finds out while she's in Astrid's head that Astrid made her little sister kill her parents when she was five years old. And that little sister has been in an institution for the past six years. And in the matter of a few pages, Emma takes everything Astrid knows about about her powers, learns it, and uses it against her, and becomes more powerful, and basically turns Astrid into a vegetable. And that was fucking amazing. I loved it. Astrid is like, you're too powerful. And Emma goes, of course, quote-unquote, darling, I'm a frost. I thought that was amazing. Patty, that was so good. What did you think of that? Um, I thought it was awesome because this Astrid girl turned out to be a bitch all of a sudden. I know, right? And, uh... Did you think that was common leading up to that when you read it? No, I thought that she was gay. Cool. Because... She said a few times, we're more than just friends. And the way that she fucked up the relationship with Max and Ian, I thought, okay, she's trying to drive all these men away after she kind of lures Emma towards them to show her that men men aren't shit and that, you know, she could get better, meaning her. And she has some tricks that she hasn't taught Emma yet, is something else she said. So... Oh, I see. Yeah, you see. Yeah, some, some... So I thought something gay was going on, but, uh, nope. <laughs> well, actually, no, it still might have been gay. We don't know why she was doing all of this. I mean, I, Astrid found found someone else like her, and she, you know, commented it was, like, great to see that, and it just seemed like Astrid was trying to mold her into something so they could, uh, rule people, you know? Like, they, like Astrid had, like, more plans than, ju- than just this. I wanted to help Emma but mold her into someone like herself and they could just fuck with people um, and be powerful and be rich and do whatever the fuck they wanted. But, you know, I mean, as interesting as that is, obviously Emma overpowered Astrid, left her in a fucking vegetative state and then ended up saving Ian by making Christy go crazy when Christy was telling the administration about what was going on between her and Ian. And so Ian is talking with Emma about it and he's like, yeah, so... You know, I don't know what happened to Christy. This is what she told them. And, you know, I feel bad and blah, blah, blah. And Emma just can't can't live the fucking lie anymore. She comes clean and tells Ian everything. And then Ian fucking rejects her. Calls like, oh, it's true what the media says about you. You just cheat. I thought you were a great student. You were cheating the whole time. And, uh, you know. Like I, I never loved you anyway. I, Fuck you, bitch. Yeah, I never want to see you again. And typical incel response. All Emma's all fucking like sad about it. Astrid gets taken away in an ambulance, and Emma can hear the people around thinking like, "Oh, maybe it was her roommate that did it to her." And Emma, like her final thought is, "Maybe Astrid was right about humans." And then it and it ends. And that was an amazing way to end. I really, I really liked this series. If if anybody who hasn't read this before is a fan of Emma, I don't even mean you're in love with her, but if you're a fan, I feel like this is definitely something you have to read for more on um, on Emma Frost. If you don't care about Emma either way, and especially if you don't like like young adult sort of romance tropes, then this is not for you. The whole Ian thing really keeps this from being a really great book for me. But I really like it. I definitely do. Uh, Overall. One of my biggest problems is that I know that, you know, this ends kind of like where it does in college or whatever. 
But she left Christian in that institution she for, did. what, like 12 years? Yeah, I mean, I don't know in Marvel Universe time, but it was a long time. Okay, so it was at least two or three years that she left him oh, in a mental, mental institution. Yeah, yeah, I mean... And did fucking nothing about it. Nobody brought that up until um, fucking Cena Grace's uh, Iceman, actually, that, you know... And, and he did call her out on it, like, you left me there all that time. And it was it was great though because it turns out that Christian killed Winston, so that was badass, right? Puts all that all in context for you now, right? I mean, but I get what you're saying. I, I I get what you're saying. Yeah, if she actually gave a shit about anybody other than herself, she wouldn't have just left him there. And I get that it's not the the fault of this story because I don't think that it would have been touched on in this story because she was just a freshman in high school, uh, a freshman in college from graduating high school. That was like the the span of this book. I'm saying it's the problem of, like, all of the other writers since then. Sure, 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 sure. I get that. That, like, oh, now she owns, like, a multi-billion dollar corporation. And, yeah, her brother's been in a mental institution that he doesn't belong in for, like, five years. I mean, it's possible that, like, the next story arc, like, what would have been, or maybe even after that, would have touched upon that. And that would have been interesting and that would have been great, but maybe that was scrapped. And then... Was there supposed to be more? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this was just canceled. And that it wasn't like, oh yeah, so here's this 18 issue series. I'm pretty sure it was just canceled. So maybe there, like that was going to come back, but then no editor cared and no other writer cared to pick up anything about about her family again going forward. Because I'm trying to think. I mean, Adrienne has been um, canonically dead. Uh, Cordelia, nobody's really touched her in a long time. Um, and again, like after this, Christian wasn't around until that issue of Iceman so maybe nobody wanted to get into it anymore it was kind of just like this is the definitive Frost family thing and we're just gonna leave it we're gonna leave it at that but yeah I I, I agree but yeah I mean outside of that I thought that Astrid was awesome I thought the way that she initially didn't develop her powers was hesitant to had trouble with it was was interesting to see um, and how Astrid finally sort of helped her. I wish there had been a little bit more of that, but I guess it's believable. And it sort of worked that, you know, she was kind of like the student there to Astrid being the, the, the teacher at the end. I just thought, you know, it gave really interesting context to Emma's family. And that's one of my favorite things about it because it showed how awful it was where she came from. It gave, even though it's a, it may seem like a silly reason, it gave a reason for her to want to become a teacher. It showed how she became such a cold and calculated person. When you look at her as like, you know, this innocent and meek young girl in the beginning and how she's a little bit stronger by the end, but all these relationships, all the pain that she's had because of her family, because of the men, because of Astrid, all of this, how she became so cold and put these walls up. And you can believe that. I'm sure Sebastian even whipped her, you know, into being, you know, an even more cold and calculated person when she arrived at the fucking Hellfire Club. So it just, it was interesting character progression. There wasn't a ton of it, but it was, it's believable. It works for the character. So again, I enjoyed it. I would still recommend it to Emma fans, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody read this and was like, "Yeah, this is kind of corny. I'm not really too I'm not too into it, but but I really enjoyed it." Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like painful to read. <laughs> um <laughs> I did enjoy parts of it. Like I said, I just couldn't stand looking at the fucking covers. Oh my god. Yeah, they're bad. They're, they're so absolutely bad. bad. They're the worst things to exist in X-Men history. That's a hill that I'm willing to die on. 
<laughs> um, yeah, Greghorn is bad. Right, right. We have, we've called him, like, Greghorny before. Yeah. We've made that joke. Okay. Sure. But other than the covers, the Ian thing, the Christian thing, you know, it was a little young adulty, which I'm not sure. super into. Yeah. But, you know, it made for, like, a light read. It was uh, pretty quick reading it. But, yeah. I, I liked it. I'm so happy that this has now been recorded. Oh, my God. And that this is going onto the internet. So that'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast, and on Twitter at Mutant Musings. What did you think of Emma's solo series? Do you think we'll ever see Astrid Bloom again? Join us for a new episode next week, and until then, Emma Grace Frost was right. <laughs>